The dog days of summer are just around the corner and we're trying to keep up with the hottest year of competitive mini golf, maybe on record. The heat is on for the podcast. Greetings, y'all. I'm Tom, and you probably know me as Mr. T. I just finished a southern swing of mini golf in Georgia and the Carolinas and excited to share about the fine folks I met in my travels. You can always find all the mini golf designs, reviews, and more for myself and my partner, The Pink Putter, at a coupleofputts.com and on social media at Couple Putts. We are overdue to share a ton of reviews and photos, but lots to come. We just played the new puttery that opened up in Minneapolis tonight, so you'll see that if you're looking back at our timeline. If you're looking for a course or a whole design, you can always go to minigolfdesigners.com and we have some goodies you can pick up at minigolfgoods.com if you want some things to wear and share for your love of mini golf. And I'm Pat, the co-founder of the mini golf website and social media conglomerate, The Putting Penguin. And it is a very hot mini golf summer. It's been a very hot summer. And for the past couple of weeks, we've been just surviving the rains up here in New England. But luckily I've snuck in a round or two of mini golf where I can, and it's about a 20th of what Tom has played the past couple of weeks. <laughs> you could find Everything that we do from our Putting Penguin side by looking for Putting Penguin on most of the major social media outlets, um, similar to Tom, we have a huge backlog of stuff that we have to get through and we've just recently got done posting our walkthrough videos of the Matterhorn course for the tournament in September. So now that that's out of the way, maybe catch up some stuff. But while you're out there, don't forget to check out the World Mini Golf Sport Federation pages as we've got some major tournaments coming up there. And then of course, follow all of our podcast mini accounts. And since you're clearly in love with our podcast, since you're still listening to us, make sure you're out there liking, subscribing, and giving us a great review wherever you choose to listen to podcasts. You know it and you love it because this is the official podcast of the American Mini Golf Alliance, the AMA. We both helped found this organization that is up to, I think, 20 different tournaments across the U.S. for 2023. And our goal is just to help grow the game of mini golf in all its many, many forms in the United States. If you love mini golf and you want to be part of our fun-loving group of putters that are playing in competitions all over, whether you want to compete or not, just go over to amaminigolf.com. Membership is entirely free. Thanks to our 2023 membership sponsor, our wonderful friends from down in Texas, Walkabout Mini Golf. Let's get on with the show because we have so much so to cover. Much. What, when, when did we last do a podcast? Like a month ago? It was a little bit less than a month ago. So it was with, it was the live with Vinette. So it was right after Wagam and yes. everything. So there is just an absolute ton. And I was thinking, I know we'll get to this later on, but like, I guess starting the first week in August, <laughs> there is like seven straight, eight straight weeks of AMA events also. So we'll talk a little bit about that. We've got a huge mm -hmm. list to go through and we're going to kick it off with the couple of world putting league events. Um, so I know we had teased the one, actually, that's probably when we did the podcast was right before the, the event that they did on June 26th, with, which was the third event that they did that had the 12 competitors broken up into the four different groups of three that played down. We talked about that being the third different format. Uh, the couple big notes to come out of that was one, Joey Graybill won his second event in a row. So showing that not only does he dominate on the rumble course, but he did that one on the Aloha course. 
Although it was kind of hard to watch because the production was not quite as good. We, we saw it go up in the second event from the first event. And we were like, oh, we're trending in the right direction. And then in the third event, there was a lot of issues with streaming. I, honestly, my I don't know if it was my OCD or just like our overall mini golf. But if I watched one more shot where they didn't follow the oh ball from the tee to the cup, I was going to go through oh the screen and strangle somebody. So and it's gambling. You know, it's great to have it, but if you're a gambler, man, was it rough? If you're a gambler and you're watching this, remember how we talked about holy moly where people get bent out of shape where they were clearly doing edits for mm. brevity. This wasn't for brevity. This was a live streamed event and you just had people where they're taking a camera shot of the person teeing off and they just didn't follow to the hole. And I know that they had multiple cameras and probably wanted to do multiple angles, but they would have been better off with just following the ball. I know you don't want to jerk around the camera, but I would have thought that would have been figured out in advance. But when especially on Aloha, yeah. where the, the holes are a lot shorter than Rumble, like it doesn't take as much no. to put everything in the frame. Like you don't really even have to follow the ball as much, uh, which it, which is strangely you will see like when you look at all their social media, yeah. they do it really. They're doing a much better job at that yeah. now. And you're just like, <laughs> OK, I, I mean, there isn't a lot of places to stand at Aloha. Those of us that have played at the no. Masters, there's always this big backlog between holes nine and 10 on the bridge and even between 10 and 11 because there's a series of holes from 11 through 13 where they just get bottlenecked with the volcano with that really tough shot on 12. But these events, they're not having like multiple groups back to back and you would have thought they would have figured that out. But I guess the good thing is, is that was improved upon for the next event. Um, Right. So the next event we had was... Uh, a week ago from when we're recording today. So it was on July 13th. So this was another new format. They did a head-to-head of the champions. So they had Joey coming off his past two wins up against Gary Hester, who had won the original one. And, I mean, it was really fun to watch. They did do a better job with Mm -hmm. the production. Obviously, only the two of them that they had to to cover. So it was a little bit easier. Um, They did a little bit better job with covering you know they had rob there on site yeah. rob Pizzolo from the hammer he hq yeah, he he was doing a really great job i mean between him and brian having done you know the first couple events there um great commentary yeah. on all of that i think that was really good um i was excited we talked a little bit about in the first the the third event that they had done there in june that they had started to expand their base of gambling well it had gone even more and finally in connecticut (laughs) i could bet on the wpl which was fun to see and it was important and i was excited because it was a really good match gary took a quick lead on the first few holes there was a lot of stuff in the middle joey went out of bounds on hole 11 and Came down to 18, Joey caught up, and he aced 18 to not only get the win, but also put the over on aces, which right. I think a lot... I mean, I know I had betted because it was at 13 and a half and two players on Aloha, two of the top players to get a combined 14 aces. Should have been a slam dunk, but they both missed hole nine. Which was which wild. Which was crazy. And that Joey missed four. Yeah, Joey missed four, which I wouldn't have guessed. And neither of them hit... Uh, the volcano on 13 either, yeah. which I would have given a 50-50 shot at least. So yeah. there, there was a lot of good drama from the 
from the competitive side, there was good drama from the gambling yeah. side, which I know is important for them to do that. And um, it was exciting. You know, obviously it was a lot shorter broadcast. They did a pretty long pre-show. Like it was about a half hour before they actually yeah. played, which is the first time they did that, which, okay, cool. They tried to do some WWE sort of like head-to-head stuff with two people that are genuinely like they've known each other forever and they genuinely like each other. And that came out after the event. And I know that it was like a big disappointment for Gary after taking an early lead. But the fact of the matter is Joey made four of the last five aces, including that one and 18 that all of us that have played it. When you get that, that feels like money in the bank. That is like a, if you're playing that four rounds, if you get that twice, you're pretty happy. And if you get all deuces on it, you're not going to be sad because you can get in some really bad spots if that ball comes back on you. So getting an ace to win that and to put Gary in that spot was was tough, and I felt for him, and I know they both really wanted to win. And, you know, I saw Gary later that weekend. I'll comment on that later. But I just told him, you know, I know you feel like crap. I had a blast watching it. I watched it down while I was in Atlanta with Brian Akers, uh, and we were both just like, oh, my God, like – you know, when Joey went out, it's over. And then like, oh, my God, Joey, aced 18. It's crazy. It was like exactly what people wanting to watch competitive mini golf have been waiting for. And some of them are like, well, we'd like to see more rounds and yada, yada. And they're the people that might some people might complain, you know, about holy moly being too short. But it's like this was like for people that have played this course was like a must watch. Yeah. And I think mixing that in there, I mean, I can't imagine they're going to do a whole lot of that because also from a gambling aspect, you you kind of limited in terms of what you can do just because you only got two competitors Mm -hmm. and, and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I think from a drama perspective, it definitely had it. And um, I know we had originally planned on on trying to catch up with Joey after the third event before, but so he is on our list of, I would be very confident that he is definitely going to be our next guest and whether that happens next week or the week after or very shortly thereafter too, um, we're going to do a live that will do a a podcast well. So I'm, I'm really excited to talk with Joey. I mean, I love him as a friend. I'm glad I've gotten to know him the past few years and I'm really interested to kind of dig a little bit more into his history and how he's been rolling the ball lately. And he's told me about a hot new headset that he got for a live recording. So he's excited <laughs> about it. He, you know, he's going to be a superstar now yeah. with all this stuff. He's going to have to do a lot of interviews. Yeah. And I'm excited for him and for the game just to get some shine on both him and Gary. And I think more people down the road, but yeah, more, more to come on WPL is they're already angling for, Another event we'll mention later in August uh, up north, and it seems like they're on pace to have a ton more events this year. But going to recent current events, and we mentioned it in our last pod, but MC Mini Masters, it's Mick Collins' annual event two years ago or a year ago. A year ago? A year ago. We interviewed Mick on the podcast right before he got his world record, which was just certified for the most holes of mini golf played in 24 hours. Um, Mick Cullen has this annual events, the 26th MC Mini Masters, and in the first time since 2016, Mick won it again by a single stroke that came down to the last hole over six rounds. And so the way the day went was it started at 8 a.m. at American Action Territory in Kenosha, Wisconsin, 
on their Wisconsin adventure course and then their Wild West. Went over to Congo River Exploration in Hoffman Estates about a half hour or an hour away. And then we went all the way back over to Parking in Lincolnshire, Illinois. So we only had three venues. Every course or every location had two courses. And after all of those rounds of mini golf, whatever six rounds of mini golf is, 108 holes, if I'm correct, I am. 108 holes. Yes. Came down to one stroke. Uh, Derek Hartman and Kevin Weiss, whose brother of uh, Griffin Weiss and Landon Weiss and son of Ed Weiss, uh, they Derek Hartman and Kevin Weiss tied with a minus 14 and Mick had a minus 15. And crazy enough is there was, in addition to that, we had Tommy Schweiss with a minus 13 and Griffin Weiss with a minus 13 as well. So when you take the top five, they're all separated by two strokes total, which if you look at previous years, I think I was fourth last year in this tournament. I was about seven strokes off the lead. So it, it was a really, really competitive field. We have folks like RJ Duzak who played before, Justin Gutschke, who had the most one-ones. I'd mentioned Landon Weiss who played really well at the O Street Tournament. Tom Schweiss, next down the list, had won the MC Mini Masters last year many times over, and a whole bunch of other people, including myself and Matt Rolstad and my wife, Robin Schwartzman, amongst many, many others who played in this tournament. It was a hot-as-heck day. And I'll just give you kind of some of the highlights. Uh, Griffin Weiss, who had won the O Street Tournament, had the best scores not only on the Action Territory Wild West course, but also on the Congo River, Congo Rapids course in a row. So he was coming in to parking in uh, the driver's seat. Uh, Rusty Silver won on the Congo Falls course at Congo River Exploration. Tommy Schweiss shot a 37 at Parking Black, followed by Derek Hartman, who came in second, who shot a 36 on the red course at parking, these are all courses that do not go that low. I did not get anywhere near that. I unfortunately shot in the 40s on all of those courses, but I did start the day with the overall low round of the day with a 34 at Wisconsin Adventure Course at American Action Territory, and I got a fun little trophy that's a makeshift cribbage board with some flags in it that looked awesome. So I got to take that home. I had a five stroke lead after two rounds and just frittered <laughs> it away uh, and melted away very quickly against a really good field and some hot, hot temperatures. It was just, this is like me for the summer. It's just been like finding out how to avoid sunburns all summer. Gonna have to watch out for Griffin when we get to the thousand dollar tournament. In or two thousand dollars. Or, yeah, right. It's not a $1,000 tournament anymore. Um, he's on fire this he year. He is. And um, Mick Cullen was saying that people who've played in the MC Mini Masters for years said that this was easily the most tightly contested and probably the strongest field. Um, just for some like quick ones. So they have a putters division of people that haven't won MC Mini Masters. And so Derek Hartman won that. Rookie of the year was Kevin Weiss. And Griffin Weiss was the juniors champion in minus 13. I think the next closest person in the juniors might have been 30 to 40 strokes 
off of him. <laughs> so it wasn't really close. And congrats to Ben Lee. Had the most sixes. Played with him before. He was really going for it on parking. He must love that course because some of those scores, I was just like, wow. Like, I didn't even know that you could rack up that many sixes. So he might have been angling <laughs> for it. It would not be outside of tradition for someone. Things are falling back maybe that they're going for it. But that's that's just my guess. It's a fun tournament, one that I will probably do every year. And uh, keep an eye out for it. We're going to do a recap of that on the AMA website. And we're hopefully also going to have a recap on the AMA website of the Putters League Championship uh, that I was also at. That is That happened just a week ago at the Fringe in Aurora, Georgia. It's a northern Atlanta suburb. It was a amateur and pro tournament, and it was five rounds for the pros and three for the amateurs, and it was part of a Southern Swing Tour put together by Kyle Cutshaw of Mossy Creek and Danny Baddeley of a course in, I believe, Arland, North Carolina, that I'm forgetting the name of. Hendersonville. Hendersonville, but someone said Arland, too. That, oh, maybe. But it's it's some <laughs> course in the Carolinas, and the idea is that between Danny Baddeley... Oh, sorry. Yeah, the course that they're playing is in Arlen. Sorry, yes. I thought we were talking about Danny. Danny's from Hendersonville. Yes. The course is in Arlen, yes. Yes. So we have, you know, uh, Brian Akers, who is the organizer of the Putters League in Atlanta, and Kyle Cutshaw, who's down in Tennessee, and Danny, who's in North Carolina, that were like, let's do this set of three tournaments, one each month, July, August, and September, leading up to the Masters, all of the tournaments with a $2,500 purse. And I believe, and I don't, I, you know, I didn't read all the details, but I believe that some folks are also going to have their fee into the master's paid, depending on how they've done in these tournaments. Um, and yeah, we shared some stuff or I shared some stuff on the podcast and the AMA channels, pictures and videos of the course. You can find them on YouTube, Brian Akers, who runs, uh, Putters League was happy to kind of walk through all of it. And just a day and a half after losing on the last hole in a tough break that we just talked about, Gary Hester comes down a surprise to all of us who were practicing there, and he wins it. And he won by five strokes over second place Kyle Cutshaw. And the seasoned putt-putt and mini-golf pro, Gary English, took third with a minus two. And... However it happened, I played pretty well, and I'd been playing a bunch of mini golf. I came in fourth. I got par uh, after playing my last two rounds with Danny Baddeley, who I previously mentioned, who had a plus two. So it was a really tough course to score low. There were some tricky holes where if you got in a bad place, getting twos are really hard, and it was a par 36. There was no gimme ace on the entire course there are no drop pockets there was a couple volcanoes a couple where the pace was really really touchy and you know gary hester even took a five on one of the trickier holes and just crushed it after that he he knew that course he had won two different putters leagues events at that same course and uh we all thought he'd take that money and jump on a plane to houston for the event the next day but uh he passed on that and uh Got got the trophy. Uh, we had a great amateur division. We had Al Tiangaco with a plus two overall after three rounds, and Alex Everett took second with a plus 14. 
after three rounds. And then Gene Moore coming in third with a plus 20. In the women's division, we had Amanda Farahani, who won that. And Susan Crane, who came up from Mossy Creek, came in second. It was hot outside. I looked in my car when I got in. It was 98 degrees. And the one huge, 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 huge positive about the fringe mini golf course is it's connected and 20 feet off the course is the lobby of the Aurora Cineplex. So had some time off of work. Work was stressful. Didn't want to get in any of the Atlanta traffic. I'm like, I'm going to go practice a round or two. And I'm going to take a break in the air conditioning and why not watch the new Indiana Jones <laughs> and then come out and meet Brian and Amanda for a little bit more practice. It was perfect. They had some baked goods there. The course manager, just wonderful and supportive of the putters league. And what a cool group of people. I, you know, I can't say enough about so many of the people that played in all of the events I've been at this year. that have been fun. I didn't shout out like, the million people I played with at the crazies who were amazing, like James Shaw, Martin Guetta, Balash, and all the people that were just so wonderful. And the same goes for the Putters League. There's just so many really wonderful people from the group that came from Mossy Creek and Kyle Sweat and a bunch of others that are from down in the Putters League, like Jason Partika that plays over at the Masters as well. Joined me for a round on the other course just because got to play them all if you're going to be down there. And so <laughs> the course where the tournament wasn't happening, we we're all gluttons for punishment to be in more 90-degree weather and play more. And, yeah, I, I had a blast. The field was really competitive, but it was also everybody was having a lot of fun. One of the guys that came in at the bottom, I could hear him yelling and cursing at his ball, but also getting really excited. And there's just a good spirit. Like all the Mossy Creek folks had an amazing spirit. I played uh, with Matt from that crew, and it was it was it was just a blast. Uh, I highly recommend it, despite all of the hot weather. I think it was just an absolute blast. And for twenty five hundred dollar purse, why not? Yeah, yeah, and and honestly, like travel wise, being in Metro Atlanta is got to be one yeah. of the easier places if you have to fly to 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 get to. Like you're not kind of out in the middle of nowhere like some of these courses sometimes end up being so i have that on my future at some point yeah. list to try to figure out a way to get down there and play that with those guys but I, i'm it's super happy that we've pulled that into the ama and been able to extend and you know that's a group of people i mean i've known danny for yeah. quite a few years now from masters and u.s opens and stuff so really glad that we continue that connection with them. And I, I'd be remiss to not thank Brian and Amanda for being such incredible hosts and hosting me for the week and showing me around. Uh, they're just wonderful. I love all the thoughtfulness that they're putting into putters league, being an organizer of tournaments and not having to do all this <laughs> stuff and not packing up everything the night before, as you got to see when you're in town, Pat, it's nice, but it's also nice to see other people that are being really creative and thoughtful they use this app that you can get on ios called squabbit golf that they ran into some issues during the tournament and they fixed it in the moment they had a backup with the uh, manual scorecards they had a really good purse they made sure to take care of the amateurs and to have a women's division all of those things were just great and i'm honestly just hoping that there's an opportunity for a 
second putters league event and maybe more Southern events with some of that crew down there in our AMA season in 2024. But, but yeah, that was, that was the end of a long trip South in the middle. We actually played in the national putting tour at the tin cup in Cummings, Georgia. It's a putt tech course. It's like all these rolling long greens courses that I do horrible on and, Spoiler alert, I did not do well. We had a ton of rain. It was hot and humid, and the course was filled with water, and they did an amazing job in clearing it off. And we, you know, played uh, under the lights later at night, two rounds on a course where I think they were pars of 54, and they were all hard threes. And season pro, Gary English came home with the pros with the best score, with a minus 14 over two rounds with a wet and funky course. I got lucky and got to play with Brian Akers and our previous guest, Brock Gillespie, who runs the National Putting Tour. And it was super cool to get to do that. And I got to meet AMA member Kyle Sweat there and a couple other folks. The only thing that was a little odd, and I you know, said this to Brock, was the pro division was about like 60 bucks to play and amateur was about 35 bucks to play. And the payout was like about a third. But for some reason, a bunch of people, everybody was playing only two rounds. So everybody's playing the same amount. There was double the amount of people and amateurs that were in pro. But the if Brian got second in pro, but if he played amateur, he would have been tied for fifth. So it was really hmm. strange that there were people self-selecting into amateurs. I think you and I both feel like if you're going to have an amateur division, put less money in it and make it more about trophies and prizes, especially since there's some people that are like worried about eligibility, which I don't think is an issue. At least Brock said for PGA, it isn't. I think other people that just, you know, that might have younger kids that are worried about college play eligibility that maybe because you got paid $50 in a mini golf tournament, you wouldn't be eligible to play NCAA basketball. Because you are then a there's pro? weird rules, but I mean, uh, yeah, I mean everybody can kind of do the same thing. I and mean, I, I don't, I look at amateurs as that needs to be the stepping stone into it. And you know, like what we do at Matterhorn is we allow people to self-select, but you're not winning any money in the amateur division. Yeah. It's all prizes, and so if you want any shot at cash, you've got to do it. And I know occasionally, you know, our amateur winners would kind of sneak in maybe into the top five or six on the pros. Um, but historically also what we see is the people who yeah. do that then go up to the pros yeah. the next year, right? Like they don't languish in amateur because why would you, I mean, I like the prizes that we give out. I was looking at prizes yeah. earlier today to figure out some new stuff to do, but like that's, it, it really should be more, and we'll talk about it, I guess, a little bit when we get to the pop-up part and how you played there. But it's like a way to c- connect with the tournament, play in the tournament, be in all of that, ease into it, but not find a way to like arbitrage and make money off of it. Right. I think it was more my issue was that you could make as much with sandbagging and playing amateur as you could in pro where that wasn't the case and there was no incentive to actually move up or requirement. So either way, it was cool to see and meet Brock Gillespie, who we had on as a guest and to see what he's doing. He's doing a bunch of events down in Georgia. He's spending half his time there and out on the West coast. So 
kudos to him. And uh, yeah, the first event of that tour down south was at the Putt-Putt in High Point, where I had wonderful hosts in uh, Vanette Block and Rick Baird who showed me around. And I came down on a Thursday night, drove from the airport in Atlanta, and immediately went on the course where Vanette showed me the shots. And I played in the local, and I played three rounds. And I've played putt-putt courses maybe like six or seven times in our travels. I don't know that I've actually... I mean, the weird thing is, is like the top pros for putt-putt are in like, you know, 20s all the time. They shoot at 30, they're like, that was terrible. And I'm like, I don't think I've shot par. You know, I don't know the shots. And then there is a certain element of knowing how the holes play. And when you set, they're like, there's the seven dots on the top row and it goes from left to right. And they're like, play on two, aim at this. And you're like, okay, you know, but that hole's like on the side of a hill and at an angle and that looks tricky. They're just like, aim after this crack, this crack and hit it like a little over hole speed. And then you hit it and you're like, whoa, holy crap that's how you do it and thanks to Vinette I did well enough in the locals not to take dead last which was my goal and played under par and then practiced for the next uh, couple days it was going to be a two-day event the uh, it's the Rick Carter Memorial and it was going to be uh, over two days where they're going to have four rounds each day and there were going to be two separate events which i didn't understand going into it so day one four rounds single event day two four rounds single event which i liked and day one uh at the top of the ppa pros we had terry phillips with a two-stroke win over a crowded four-way tie for second place with a 111 over four rounds uh what's that an average of it's a pretty low average it's in the 20s two of those pros that were tied for second was rick baird and joey graybeal in sixth we had folks like tony jackson from spartanburg who i got to know and is great rick culverhouse frank warren and you look down these lists and you're like oh these are like really familiar names if you played in the masters because a lot of these guys all came from putt-putt and what i can say about that day was it did not come last was third from last <laughs> in the APA. Uh, I shot a 132 over four rounds, which I'm not sad about. Uh, I learned those course, courses and did well enough. The second day, we all got about one round in and about three holes, four holes into my second round. Rain hit, didn't give up. Event was called, which I was bummed about because I was through four holes and it was really picking up at hole four. Hadn't made it, so I probably wouldn't have made it anyways. But through four holes, I was minus three. So I was like, oh, this is it. This is my round in the 20s. <laughs> uh, I finished it up after the rain, and I probably didn't shoot But you did get a really good video playing in the rain. What was that, oh, hole 18, 18 there? Where I, took, where I took my worst result of the weekend with a five because I played with a plastic putter, and I really was worried about lightning. And Joey Graybill gave me great advice. you got to really scoop it, and I didn't get it on the first, but then the other one I just kind of flung it up, and it was fun. I loved that video because you could hear the people in the background as you should. People were like just having yes. fun watching you out there doing it. And I was like, well, that that's, you know, again, with this group of people, yes. it's, it's a very, very serious group, very great players. But, to you know, 
I say it all the time. Like if you can't enjoy mini golf in that way, yes. that you should just stop doing it. It was clear that they still have that love of the game. And not only that, they had some characters in that group. I mean, I think it helped that having the intro from Vinette, but they had some like characters, little personality things. What I found out in their locals, if they have a tie for their local, instead of splitting like a dollar up or having a playoff like normal, they will go to the first hole on whatever course they were playing and they'll do rollerball where they have to stand behind a certain crack oh, nice and they're rolling it down playing it sort of like closest to the whole bocce style and it's funny because we were doing that in the rain on the second course and Vinette was putting up money for us and doing that and then rick baird like you know he's like ah, i'm not gonna play and rick baird mr perfect you know it's like great and he was just letting us have our fun and then he showed us why he didn't play afterwards he went out and threw the ball out there and he like left it right on the edge of the cup. It was like, okay, thank you for of course he did. <laughs> not like <laughs> em- embarrassing us. But I got to spend a ton of time with Rick Baird, Vanette Block, Joey Graybill, and Kevin Dickey, who I hadn't met, who's over from the putt-putt course in Hickory. All of them are just spectacular human beings that I got to share meals with, hear about all of Rick's stories of traveling overseas and mini golf. And I couldn't have been more grateful just to hear those stories and get that wisdom and just to have that much fun. I didn't know what to expect. I think there's, you know, some notion, I think where it feels like you're going into like completely unknown territory. And you know, that there's some people that get really, they get really uptight about stuff and Everybody was just so nice and having so much fun. There's even a novice division of folks where I caught the winning shot and the best part about the video and the winning shot. I believe it's uh, Pepper. I think his first name's Russell, where where someone's like yelling like, "No way, that's not coming back on the game winning shot." It just came back, and he got it and he got to catch that celebration. And that's what it's all about. Like there's families playing multi-generational folks um it was it was a good group of folks uh tony jackson who i got to know and played around uh in spartanburg at the course my wife had designed sparkle city mini pot just all of these characters i i can't say enough nice things about that whole crew there course manager chris was just so kind and yeah, even just advice, like Greg Newport came down for the local, but before he's like, you get over to the Ashboro mini golf, there is a wood putt-putt course. And he's like, there's not many of the wood rail putt-putts. And I go over there, I was like, oh yeah, like the putt-putt guys over at High Point sent me over there. And the owner, David, literally walked the course with me, showed me all the shots. He's like, put it here, hit here. I shot a 33 on it, and I was like getting the whole history of it. And it's like those guys... The Southern hospitality thing was real. Everybody was really kind and couldn't be more grateful. You made an interesting point. Like I, I was, I'm really bummed that the when I played the High Point course, it was many, many years ago, and so I didn't know anybody from that group. Or obviously, I would have like reached out. And, and same thing with Hickory. And but thinking, so if I ever do get back down there for whatever reason, obviously I'll, I'll talk to to those folks. But you had me thinking, I was like, yeah, I've never played a putt-putt course with the actual shots. Right. I've only played like go out there and figure it out on my own sort of thing. So it, that is interesting hearing that experience of like how it's really meant to be played. And so at some point 
I will get to one. It's going to be one of these or pro- probably like the Richmond one and, yep. and go go there and see see Fred and, and play that one potentially. But I, I am looking forward to at some point in my career having that experience and seeing like, okay, yeah, second dot hit here, see how it goes. But it's, I will say like hole number four, for example, I played off the rails at an earlier crack where if you get it enough to tap the back door, it'll go in. But most of the other players are playing it you know, off the side and front door. And there's a number of people that were playing nine and 17 without using rails because some of those more pure putters don't like the rails. Like the ball can slide on them. You can get weird results. And when you're just taking a pure straight putt, some of those guys just feel more comfortable and confident in that knowing those courses. But, you know, you just, you start playing with people. I played two rounds with the net. She's just like first six holes aces them in our, you know, in the local event. And, yeah, I mean, it was great to see Vanette out there, too. She is just, like, fighting her ass off against Chemo and just out there an amazing cheerleader. She was out there every day. She was cheering everybody on and just a great spirit. And, yeah, we couldn't, couldn't be a better host and person to be representing their course. If everybody represented their local course like Vanette, I think this game would just continue to grow it's just so much fun but uh the southern swing of all that like it ended up just really working out that the national putting tour and all this came together and uh yeah it's funny because it was hot 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 at all of them and it makes sense to transition to the next tournament that happened two three days ago from when we're recording and it was the pop stroke tournament in texas and it's the first one of a national one in Texas at the Katy course, which is really close to Houston. And Pat, was it like, it was like in the hundreds, like the whole time during the tournament. Yeah, it was right in, well, and they may still be in because it feels like everybody's in a heat stroke, but like they were in that like bubble of just ridiculously hot weather, which it's, Houston is gnarly in yes. July any year. And so to add a level on top of that, I would not want to be out putting the ball at that point. In well, time. they moved the time up. They were supposed to start it later right. and they moved it all the way up to 9 a.m. so they could get off the course. And so this event had a four round stroke play individual player event. And then it had a high roller event qualifier that the people who had won the high roller qualifier would get their entry paid for the high roller event. And weirdly enough, I don't know that I've seen the final scores for the high roller and how many were in it and how many played and how much was paid out. But what we can tell you is that it doesn't really matter. The qualifier, (laughs) the high roller, and the individual stroke play, one person. Greg Newport, one of the Mr. Perfects in the world, completely crushed it, but even more wild, Pat. How did he win the stroke play event? To me, it's baffling. Acing the final three holes, which on any of those pop stroke so courses hard. is not an easy thing to do. I mean, those they're aceable, but not at that level of consistency. And it's just, it's like with Joey holding 18. I mean, in some ways, it's like, man, that is amazing. On the other hand, you're like, well, yes, this is a guy who shot a perfect 18, a multiple Masters winner. I mean, the guy knows how to putt, right? And But to be that dialed in and to 
take it and to have the clean sweep. I mean, that's and to win. It, it is very s- Swedish in a way. <laughs> win by one stroke and to win by, by one stroke. the last three holes. So he beat uh, Nate Nichols, who's a very familiar name in the pro putter for putt putt and for USPMGA circuits, as well as pop stroke, frankly, of late. And Jacob Staz, who has done well in the pop stroke and national putting tour stuff. He They were both tied for a second, just one stroke behind Greg. And then, you know, there were a whole bunch of other people of the 45 people that finished the event. A lot of familiar names like Tim Talley, John Powell, Brock Gillespie, Lee Messinger, Jeremy Nabinet, Chris Johnson, Bryce Bergeson, Randy Reeves, Jeff Mosk. There was a number of people from Texas, a couple of people that had traveled in. But no Swedes and just ridiculously hot weather. The main headline was Greg Newport just proved why he is, you know, one of the best putters around. Won multiple Masters, perfect game. I mean, I don't know what, I mean, he's got to, he's had to have won a national putt-putt as well. I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame of the U.S. Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head, but I mean, yeah, I mean, he's definitely on the short list of, best current active competitive putters. Yeah. And I mean, Nate is no slouch. No. Like we said, I mean, he's a great putt putter. He's won a U.S. He's won U.S. Open. He's got a gold medal from mixed yeah. pairs and Wagam. Like that is, I mean, that's just got to be a, like, I think we've all seen it, right? Cause we've seen Greg win and stuff and we've seen this sort of situation. But when you watch somebody get like, on the one hand, you're just like, probably pissed off but on the other hand you're like well what are you gonna do like <laughs> that that's somebody at that level is gonna pull that out eventually oh and i think i forgot to mention rainy stadium but it should kind of go without saying that if there's like a texas mini golf <laughs> event rainy's playing yeah. and i believe he played he's played in like a ridiculous amount of the local events there but yeah we're all leading up to the last two major tour events that are going to be in arizona including the championship in Scottsdale where I believe the course just literally opened. So that'll be an interesting one. I know neither of us at this point are intending on being there just based on what it's going to be with this ridiculously crazy high paying buy-in for the high roller and that you need certain points to play in the individual stroke play that I'm not going to travel that far for doubles, but I'm hoping next year play some locals, maybe get in a pop stroke event. And do that up. A couple other things just wanted to touch on because I touched on City Golf in Sweden, series of tournaments throughout the year. And I played in the April one that uh, Ricard Lochner won at Sumbiberg. Since then, there was an event at the Haga course. I'm probably mispronouncing it, but I'm sorry. In May, uh, Daniel Westholm took it, took first. Matthias, Matthias Hogloff took second. Kevin Sundstrom, who's having a great year, including a great finish at Wagam. Took third, Eddie Soderlund, who's one of the organizers of the City Golf Tour, took fourth, and he tied that with Alexander Princes. And sixth was uh, Ricard Lochner. Uh, the Sundsvall event in June was the first name. I'm just going to say Joachim Ring, and I'm pretty certain I'm way mispronouncing that. <laughs> um, second was Morgan Munter, who I know I think was fourth or fifth in the Sundbyberg event. Um, there was... Someone who was listed as S.L. Melfist as third. And in fourth was Alexandra Molina, the kid. And fifth at the Sunsvall event was William 
Forsland. In the most recent event in July in Aquim, in it's like south of Gothenburg in Sweden, Morgan Munter won that event. Kevin Sundstrom came in second. Gunnar Bengtsson came in third. Daniel Valchek from the Czech Republic took fourth. And Hans Olofsson took fifth. They have two events in August, including one in Finland that wraps up the tour. The top 48 point scoring players that have played at least three events. I believe they have to play three events. They will play in the final along with a few wild cards that there was the opportunity for people to submit an application. Maybe they'd only played one event or they could only get to one event but they were an international player, professional golfer, and what have you. And AMA member, USPMGA member, Celebrated Putter, Team USA member, Tim Talley was one of our wildcard selections, as well as our past guest, Team UK Putter and AMA member, Sevi Kukielka. He was also my World Crazies teammate. Uh, they were both wildcards, as well as uh, Mike Johnson from the States. Patrick Reiner, who is the 2023 Wagam champ, as well as Daniel Valchek from the Czech Republic. They will all be going back to Aquim on September 9th and 10th. We'll be playing for a good chunk of dough and a lot of pride, because if you can win a tournament with 48 of the best Swedes, plus a bunch of wild cards who are also some of the top putters in the world... That's kind of like being the world adventure golf champion, more or less, because... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not far off. It's, it's it's pretty dang close. So I'm excited to see how that goes and hear what the results are. Uh, the last thing that I heard of when I was down south, the Frankie's Family Entertainment Centers, I've been to one in Raleigh, they've been hosting tournaments just under our nose in this year of like crazy... Money and mini golf, they've been doing a thousand dollar a week for five weeks on Thursday nights, these tournaments. And the winner, winners from the first five events qualify for a ten thousand dollar final that'll be happening next week on July 27th. I'd heard about this from Mr. Perfect, Rick Baird, and he had been competing in them, and I think he had fallen short by maybe a putt the week that I was out there and uh i don't know that they're playing that many rounds it might be just like one or two i think it's just one round i think it is one now that you say that and so anything can kind of happen but uh yeah it's just wild i think this year you know i saw gary hester and chatted with him down in atlanta as well as rick baird and a number of other people and we're just like i was just like this has to be the historic historically largest year for mini golf purses by a lot because you still have all the USPMG events that have traditionally had the overwhelming majority of the purses in the United States pop strokes already passed them I believe all the pop stroke events combined this year is more money that's in the US Open and oh, the Masters so you have that Plus, you have the City Golf Tour again. You have stuff like Frankie's. You have your tournament at Matterhorn and O Street that have upped the ante. You have all the Southern Swing Tour where every tournament's $2,500. You have Red Potter that does 2000 
we're just constantly hearing of these events just like cropping up where they're like, oh yeah, like we're playing for like thousand dollars in the middle of nowhere. And it just seems like a really nice moment for competitive mini golf. Local leagues are popping up left and right. People are reaching out to us, AMA related stuff. They're like, hey, we got a course, you know, we've got 10, 20 people that are showing up, you know, should we run a tournament? It's like, yeah, you got 20 people. Like, that's that's a good chunk of well, people, and, right? And then you layer in the World Putting right. League and what what they have there, and then the additional money that's in you know tangential yep. to it from the gambling perspective as well. Yep. It is a it is a crazy. I mean, we were Putting talking world? about it like you and I literally could make a full time job out of right. this of just following, not even playing, right? <laughs> yeah, and I and I forgot Putting World. They were doing thirty thousand yeah. dollar events out in Arizona alone, like multiple. It's it, it's just... And we don't even have holy moly throwing 250 right. grand in there either. I mean, it's just... It, it, it's bonkers. But I think that is a conversation for the end of the season as well as I was telling Pat that we're kind of due to talk about the state of mini golf. We had talked with a future guest kind of about where the game has been going because it's been going in all sorts of different directions. And... Um, I'm just super eager to chat about all of the growing number of chains because somehow I've played them all in 2023 between <laughs> Pop Stroke, Puttery, Putt Shack, Putt Stars, Party Shack, and Swingers. Played them all for the first time this year. So I feel like I have the perspective of play, playing them recently to be able to like balance out like what are the different things about them that are interesting, but also what they're all trying to do. I think the more interesting through line for all of them is most of them are nine hole courses really meant for kind of vibey, hangy, playful, social events. So I think that'll be something for after the season. But when you're out there, we're curious to hear from our listeners if you're seeing odd and interesting mini golf courses because we want to know about them and play them and point people to them so throw them our way but uh pat i've talked enough tell us about some of the upcoming <laughs> ones yeah so we've got like we i mentioned we've got a long list of stuff but the, the few things that are coming up more quickly here so the circling back on the the wmf's world adventure golf tour so they've only had one tournament at this point in time that was the one that was the Finnish adventure yep. golf masters but the next one we have coming up is the the British Open here, July 22nd and 23rd, that's going to be held in Dorage. And so that's the the second event there um, as a brief tease. Like then it really does start to pick up. There's one event in, in August in uh, the Moravia Adventure Golf. And then we get into September, which also includes ours, but there's like three weekends in a row. So that tour is going to really start to kick off as they move towards the um, finals in 2024. So obviously we'll be covering that, but we got that coming up. So that will probably have already happened by the time you, will you listen to this? So we'll, we'll, the next go around, I'm sure talk about how that came out. But then, as I mentioned, we've got a lot of AMA tournaments starting the first weekend of August. So we've got, um, on the same weekend, we've got the red putter up in Wisconsin. That's August 5th. We've got the Tabers event that's in Maine. That's on August 6th. 
The next weekend after that is the O Street Summer Tournament, which is, what, $2,000 now? Uh, On August 13th over on the Jersey Shore there. And then the Farmington Mini Golf Tournament is August 20th. So that's, you know, four AMA events within three weeks there that you can start racking up some points, Um, especially if you're in the Northeast because three of those are pretty relatively close. And I think the Shack event in PA is the the 26th and follows it. Right afterwards. So it's just going to be boom, boom, right. boom, boom, boom. Well, that's why I said it's the 26th. And then the, I think there's a break that next weekend because that's yeah, Labor yeah. Day where we don't have anything. But then it's like Dolphin, yours, mine. And that, so we've got a lot of uh, stuff. And this that's one of the reasons we'll t- you know, we're trying to make sure we get all the website and everything kind of updated before we get into this next big chunk so we can really start to see how those rankings and points start to move there. So a uh, good time and a lot of stuff coming up for us to, to cover and and put out there and some interesting stories i mean i know like red putter lots of pros we're gonna see a lot of the same names the pros there it sounds like mix headed up Matt there Holstead's so that's headed there he, you know so matt's so some interesting stories to see who's gonna go there um tabers has got that great group of yep. main guys and i know um our buddy highlighters headed up there with maybe uh, matt lyles some, he's gone up there a few times uh matt lyles probably yeah and i haven't talked to a justin in a little while i don't know how his back and everything's doing if he's gonna head up there but i, I know highlighters been you know he's come off some local wins and stuff too and, and he's been doing well at the matterhorn league so he's he's got a target to try to pull that one i mean o street is up for grabs like we talked about i mean griffin's on a hot streak we've got now being the third year at tea time you've got a lot of players who know that course really well and then uh, um the farm the farmington uh title is going to be up for grabs because i'm not going to be able to defend it because i have to head over to sweden because the world championships are going to be held in Uppsala, and the actual tournament itself is going to be the 22nd to the 26th they play on the ethernet also known as the miniature golf and the felt courses so two different courses over there but prior to that there's a bunch of wmf meetings including the biannual delegates conference where a lot of stuff gets kind of voted on and put into place and so i'm I'm headed over there so unfortunately i'll be missing farmington and not be able to defend my title from last year but it sounds like there's um a good group of people already who's looking to play in that as well. So I think that'll be a good competition. And then one well, Upsala uh, already th- agreed to uh, try to make aces on all of the Ethernet holes with a mini golf, with a golf, ball. which is, which is a golf ball. <laughs> Just, I'm going to come in there as the, the actual like prototypical American. I'm just going to wrap myself in American flags. Oh my God. Tell everybody that using European mini golf balls is stupid and I can ace them if all you, with a, if you ever, a Chromax ball. I, I don't think anybody probably in that serious form of mini golf has probably even attempted to put a golf ball in those smooth, <laughs> flat surfaces that are like fiberglass concrete composites but it's kind of funny like the ball just <laughs> has a mind of its own especially with like a callaway super soft it's just like watching pinballs it's like bing 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 bing, bing. Yeah. i gotta imagine it's like some of the times we built uh or, or did um 
like pop-ups and bars and yeah. stuff and we're using like their wood floors to put on more but, or less no i'm really excited i mean obviously you were there earlier it's but I, i'm just excited even though i'm not there for the actual competition part to be around with practice see everything that's going on just be in that environment for the first time and i know we haven't had a lot of people from the u.s be able to do that so i'm hoping just you know a lot of pictures and videos and stuff for that um and then also we got the Mossy Creek, the Tennessee opens also the 26th. That's that, uh, that same weekend as the shack. And so we were talking about Kyle and everything. And that's one where I feel bad every time I talk about it. Cause I really want to go down and play Ditto. not only the course, but that, that specific Ditto. tournament. And it's just because it's crammed with all of this other stuff that's going on locally. It's, uh, it's been tough, but I, it is on my bucket list, Kyle and, and Danny, if you're listening, I will get there eventually to play that tournament. So I'm excited to that. That's part of the Southern Swing, like you yep. mentioned. And they have like um, 500 and then, members of that course. Like Kyle's really built up the competitive game. And even though it's kind of a little harder to get to if you're coming from out of town up north, to me, it's just kind of worth going out of the way for for how well they run things, have a big scoreboard, the way their seating is. it Everything I've heard about it for being a challenging course and one that really tests your putting, on top of it just being, you know, good hosts there. I Yeah, it's on my list to play for sure. Um, and I'm imagining the last thing you're going to mention was that we also have another World Putting League that's going to be happening yes. up north. And I believe the date that they had set on the broadcast or... That I had heard is August 8th at Bluegrass Mini Golf, which you know quite well, Pat, because that's in New Jersey, correct? Yeah, that's in uh, Oceanport, New Jersey. So we had two U.S. Opens that were played there. Um, I'm really kind of bummed because I don't think I can get there that day. I would have loved to have gone down and kind of seen that production. It's a it's a course that's a lot more like the Rumble than Aloha. There's I mean, I think in the U.S. Open, the winning score average was right around a 34, so okay. probably even harder than Rumble. Um, there are ace opportunities there. I'm assuming they're going to be playing the the green course because there are two courses there. The green is the one that we played um, for the Open tournament. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's a good it's – a, it's a Harris course, I believe, and so there's a lot of – holes that kind of look familiar sure. for people who've played sure. before but there's there's some challenging ones like the kind of aim in corner and I, I probably won't remember the exact numbers but i think it's like 12 13 14 maybe 15 all right that's a really challenging set of deuce holes and then you come that leads into like a back stretch of a lot of aces that come through so i guess similar to rumble in a way yeah. where you've got that middle stretch and it'll be interesting to see i mean i guess they didn't announce anything about the format or anything no. so don't know what they're doing with that i could see it being pretty um pretty filmable the way the course is laid out and i'd be interested to see the really good thing for them i would think is because they have been licensed in new jersey it is at a horse track that i believe has sports betting. right at it beyond the horse so like there seems to be something that they'll be able to do there where you can just literally bet while you're there yeah. which you haven't been able to have in south carolina because south carolina doesn't yeah. have sports yep. betting 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do and if they stick with just a smaller format of players where they do a lot more kind of hype and like build up and do that on the social media or if they get a handful more players. I'm My bet is that it's probably going to be less than 10 versus some of the earlier events where for production purposes... Some of those early events were really long, like we like hours, yeah. and some of them are like, "Oh yeah, we'll be done with this in two hours," and you're just like, "No, you won't." To get around that course multiple times and to get good camera views and setups, I mean, for for people who watched that last World Putting League event, even that was like a single round that took an hour twenty, and part of it was just because they had to move the camera around to get the shots. And then deal with the elements. It was super hot out. And from what I was told, they had camera issues that were just getting zapped by the heat. And same with like power issues. It's it's not going to be cold in New Jersey. And if they have to deal with some of those no. same issues. And there's long. not a lot of shade on that course either. I mean, last time we played there, it was pretty warm when we played the Open. But I think the other interesting thing about it is that is a course that None of the WPL competitors no. have played anywhere recently no. because none of them are from up here. And I mean, I'm assuming the course is in kind of the same condition, but the last time we played there was 2017. Wow. So it's been a fair amount of time Yeah, uh, from a tourist perspective. So I think there will be an added level of kind of leveling the playing field a little bit because you don't have people who have played those master's courses hundreds of hundreds of times sure. no i think that's totally fair and i mean when it comes to like wpl stuff we're just excited that we're going to be able to watch along we'll get to see a whole new course that i haven't even played in that way which will be cool but then for the other people that played the opens like oh yeah that whole like there's there's something about that but more to come. It's my best finish on that course in the open was top 10. So I wow. particularly have a little bit of love. Yeah. yeah. And I know like Aaron and yeah, you know, yeah. the New Jersey guys love it too, being their real home course there. So yeah, definitely a little bit of a vested interest for some of us. So this summer and this year is just not going to slow down. And so that's what we're going to be here for. So, and before we go, we are remiss not to mention our sponsor of the podcast and the AMA walkabout mini golf. It's our favorite VR mini golf game. And frankly, our favorite mini golf video game period slash video game. And they have just launched a new course as of today called laser layers. We have both played it and no pun intended. It is a blast. It's got Mid-century modern vibes meets James Bond meets kind of Iron Robot, like Hideaway The Incredibles, it's got a solid Incredibles vibe going. And uh, there's even a tie-in with the popular card game that many have heard of called Exploding Kittens, where you can get like a special putter that's Exploding Kittens themed that I haven't gotten yet, but I'm planning on getting. So uh, check that out. We're going to have some giveaways at a few of the next couple of AMA tournaments with some walkabout stuff. And uh, we're excited to uh, get you that stuff and get people playing that game because for those of us that live up north, it is a great way to stay in touch with each other as well as play mini golf 
in the off season. Heck, it's even great during the summer when it's super hot out or even when it's nice out. It's just a great game. This podcast is exceptionally long, so you're ready for it. It's time for Big Thoughts Mini Golf. And what I have to say is that it's okay to compete in events when you know the field has a ton of experience and skill, and you expect you may likely be closer to the bottom than the top of the field. On my first time playing in serious tournaments on City Golf, Putt Tech, and Putt Putt courses this year, I finished near the bottom of the field. I practiced, played as well as I could, and learned a lot from all of those experiences. None of those tournaments cost me a ton of money, and I was happy to get to compete with talented and fun-loving folks. It's all about keeping everything in perspective and having fun for me, and I think it's a good way to approach the game. I know that this will help sustain me long-term as I practice, improve, and continue to have both successes and failures going forward. With that, we're at the 19th hole. So until next time, putt one ready. Oh, that wasn't that bad. I thought it was longer than that. No, it was, all things considered, not too, not too lengthy. <laughs>